Amen. Amen. We bless God. This is another day he has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. So this whole month, Pastor has given us the topic of discussion, knowing God. We've heard uh, uh, two messages, I believe, one from Pastor and then one from Elder Sam on the topic. But knowing God is so huge, you know, because, you know, God is... God, and so you can't know him enough, but our little human mind, we will try our best to get a glimpse of who he is. And so for today is the same topic that we are going to be discussing, knowing God. So pastor talked about knowing God for yourself, as in not depending on someone else's uh, Christianity, you know, or hiding under someone else's Christianity or someone else's relationship with God, but you developing your own relationship with God and knowing him for yourself. Elder Sam last week talked about knowing God by loving because God is love. And so when we exhibit his love and we show love, we get to know God. So it's the same thing that we are uh, going to, you know, chip a, a different portion of it, um, of knowing God. Amen. So, you know someone, you know, knowing God. You know of someone. You know about someone. They all mean different things. And hopefully, we will go from knowing of God or knowing about God to knowing God. Amen. Shall we share a word of prayer? At the center of it all is you that I see. It's you that I see. At the center of it all, it's you that I see. It's you that I see. Oh, there is power in your name. Ooh, miracles happen in your As we lift our voice to say, oh, it's you that I see, it's you that I see. Gracious God, at the center of it all is you, gathered before your presence, mighty God, are your children. We pray, mighty God that you will help us to get to know you, know you deeper and deeper and deeper, and yearn to know you more. As your word comes, oh God, reveal yourself unto us. You know each and every one of us. You know what we all know about you and what we need to know about you, oh God. My pray, mighty God, this morning, 
that each and everyone, regardless of the message that is coming, will get a word that they need from you. Let us see you in a different way. Let us get to know you in a different way. Let us experience you, oh God, in a different way for ourselves. So that when we stand to declare that we will say that you are our God. That is what we pray and we ask, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So, first one, know of. When we say, oh, I know of someone, what is that? Indirect knowledge. So, let's see. I can say who. I know everyone, so. Okay, let's see. I'll pick on Sister Brenda. So, oh, I know of Sister Brenda. I have heard of Sister Brenda. I have seen Sister Brenda. I might not know specific details about her character or like I would know about presiding. <laughs> but, you know, indirect knowledge. Know about someone is also the same thing, but this time you might have a little bit more detail. Mama Charlotte here, I'll say, oh, I know about Mama Charlotte. I know she cooks. She's a fantastic cook and whatnot. Same way, it's still not direct knowledge. When you know, you know, without the of or the about, it is direct knowledge. I can say, okay, I know Presiden. I know what he likes to eat. I know where he works. I know some characteristics. I know in this situation, this is how he'll respond or so forth and so, and then you're in trouble. But, <laughs> but when you know someone, you have direct knowledge. There is some relationship with that person. Amen. So first reading Ephesians 1.17. Ephesians 1.17. I will read from the uh, New King James Version. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is my prayer this morning, that the Lord God, the Lord of, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you and I the spirit of wisdom and revelation as we get to know him. Amen. And I believe that that is the goal of, for Pastor when he gave this uh, topic uh, for this month, to get to know God. Amen. And then Philippians 3.10, no, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Amen. And then Psalm 9 verse 10, it says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek him. You should shout a big amen to that. The Lord has never forsaken those who seek him. And those who know his name, they put their trust in him. So that is where we are heading towards this morning. You know, we've discussed know of, know about, and know. Knowing to know is to be aware of through observation 
inquiry or information. So the more I inquire about something, the more I observe about something, the more I get to know that person or that something. And then you develop a relationship through meeting, through spending time. You become familiar with that thing or that person. So you start off by knowing them by name, as I described with uh, Sister Brenda, and then by their attributes, their characteristics, as you further build that relationship, as I described with presiding. So preliminary stages. When I mention, if I tell Elder Sam, oh, Sister Vida, you know who she is right away because you know her by her name. But then through experience with her, then you get to know a little bit more about who she is. So when the King Gideon first came to PI from Dallas, Texas, Sister Cynthia saw him, doesn't know him, then get to know his name. Oh, that's Brother Gideon. Then acquaintance develops. Oh, I know Brother Gideon. He's a nice Christian gentleman. And then, you know, you get in conversation. Then friendship develops. Okay, now he's calling me, you know, every day, and we are talking on the phone. And then it goes further into marriage and becomes intimacy. So knowing about God, then slowly, slowly, slowly getting to know him in an intimate level. Amen. So, in the Bible, as we read with Sam, those who know the names of God put their trust in him. Names are important, serves as identification. Now, 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 if I say Bill Gates, everybody know who Bill Gates is. We've never met him. We don't know where he lives, but we know who he is. We know he's a rich man. If we say Oprah, same thing. We say Jeff Bezos, same thing. Not to be controversial, if I say Trump, we all know who Trump is. We've never met the man, maybe Boafo. We've never met the man, but at least we know or we have a sense of his character just based on his name. So we identify people as a way to tell who they are. That's why we give children their names. So that, you know, it serves as identity. It helps us to identify them. So the same reason why God told Adam to give all the created things in the garden their names. Names also give you background, you know. It tells the person which family you're from by your last name. Names carry value. That's why nobody names their kid Judas or Lucifer or Satan. You know, before I used to add uh, Jezebel to the list, but I have met a few Jezebels, you know. I mean, that's walking a fine line. Jezebel and Jezebel. But, you know, you know, people like to live dangerously. But names have meaning. They carry value. So in Psalms 8 verse 1, it says, Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. Matthew 6, 9, you know, the Lord's Prayer says, Hallowed be thy name. In the Bible, there are 270 different types, different names for God 
in the Bible. And all the names of God gives us, you know, a different perspective of who God is. They reveal, you know, a different aspect of his character. So to know his name, to know the name of God, is to experience his nature. Amen. So the Israelites, you know, had so many different names of God to describe his character so that they wouldn't mention his actual name. You know, as Matthew 6, 9, as we just said, hallowed be your name. It was held in such a high stature, high reverence that they dare not even mention his name. Using myself as an example, I was named after my dad's um, grandma. And so, no one would mention my name. They all call me Nana because they, it's the highest disrespect to mention your grandmother's name. So imagine the same way with God, how the Israelites dare not mention the name of the Lord. So they used all these things to describe who God is without saying his name. Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. A righteous run into it and they are saved. That is why, you know, in Psalm 34, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So when, you know, uh, David is saying this, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know, God is big. You can't make him any bigger. But the process of magnification, and let me use this, you know, this, I think the only time I'll get to use the concept of optics to explain something in the Bible. So those that use reading glasses, what reading glasses are, are magnifiers. So when you pick, you put the reading glasses on, it makes what you're seeing bigger. The actual thing you're looking at doesn't change in size. It just appears bigger to you. So when you magnify the Lord, you're not making God bigger than he is, but you are making him appear bigger to you. So that in spite of what problems you are, God appears bigger. So when it says, let's magnify him and extol his name, so that when you are in any situation and God seems small, because sometimes that is our problem, we make the problem bigger than God, you magnify the name of the Lord and he appears bigger to you. In, in the midst of your problem. So, when we discover the names of God, worship becomes effortless, you know. Nobody has to give you a song to ginger you. You just lift your voice because you know who God is. Amen. And so, God wants to reveal himself to us. He is, here is, we see, you know, the more we see him, the more we get to know him, the more there is to know. So whatever you know about God, there is still more. That is why after Paul, with all his experience with God, I mean, he met Jesus. Jesus spoke to him direct. You know, he wrote half the books of the New Testament. He still said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. So there is more to know more to know, more to know. You can never know God enough. 
we are going to attempt, you know, in our feeble way um, to get to get to know a little bit about God through his names. So the three primary names of God, Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh. And all those give us a clue as to who God is. All the rest of the names are subsets of these three names, Elohim, Adonai, and Yahweh. So what does Elohim mean? Elohim means mighty creator, strong and mighty one. It is mentioned 2,000 times in the Bible or more. And in the Bible translations, it's just been translated as God, G-O-D, big G-O-D. But, you know, a few years ago, I started to try and explain, I mean, understand the Bible a little, in context a little bit more about how, what, when it was written, the language that it was written. So sometimes I'll read the Bible in, um, there's this, they call it the complete Jewish Bible, which leaves the names of God as they are, not translated to God or to Lord, just to understand it a little bit better. So Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the God that is here is Elohim. So you can, you know, if it's your Bible, you can circle that and write, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And this is our introduction to God. The first thing he wants us to know about him, you know, opening credits. In the beginning, God, Elohim. So imagine, you know, and in, you know, in my brain, I was thinking, you know, God, you know, thunder, there's lightning and deep voice. You know, imagine God saying, hello, I am Elohim, you know. No, that is how I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, the show of his parts. It's like, hello, I am mighty. I am strong. I am the mighty creator. Amen. So the first thing we see in the Bible is the power and the might of God. And I believe that is important. I believe it wasn't there by accident. God wanted us to know that about him. The first thing about him he wanted us to know was how powerful he is. And when we read this uh, whole account of creation, what we get to understand about God is God is big. You know, he's beyond. He's transcendent above everything because and the three, as I was reading, the three main things that God was, you know, beyond or outside of time, space. And then the next one was matter. So outside of time, it says, in the beginning, God. That means he was there before the beginning, you know. And as you think about this, sometimes it can make you crazy. So how can somebody be before the beginning? So where was he? Where was his beginning? It makes no sense. But that is why he says, I am. So he always is. He is ever present. He is, he was, he will be. And he is I am, which again, you know, blows your mind. He is ever present. He experiences time all at once. So yesterday, today, tomorrow, he is. It all happens to him 
at once. He is the eternal God. And so sometimes when, you know, we have the concept of time, and so you want something urgent. I want it now, 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 now. God, you are, you are delaying me. Now, 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 now. And you're praying, and God is not answering because it's been two weeks, it's been one month, it's been three years, it's been four years. And But to God is happening now. He has made the provision to him now. You just have to experience it in your time. So when you're saying, oh God, you haven't answered my prayers like I have. Just be still and know that I am God. So when you are anguishing, oh God hasn't answered my prayer because you don't understand to God, time is now. So whatever it is he has provided, you just have to be patient. So his time is not your time. Once we understand that about God, the frustration that God is not answering my prayer because he has answered it is just you waiting to experience it. Amen. He is beyond space. What does that mean? He created heaven and earth. So where was he before he created heaven and earth? You know, and in order for him to create even heaven and earth, he had to be somewhere. So he exists outside of the heaven and outside of the earth. It says the heavens are his throne and the earth his footstool. So sometimes I look at the pictures of the galaxies just to give me context of how big God is. You know, all of this was let there be and there was. He didn't even have to do anything. Just let there be. Bam. And then it happens. And then, so when you think about this, you're like, oh my goodness, how big is this God? Imagine, you know, all the stars and everything and all he had to do was just to speak. You know, he sits beyond matter, as in the physical component. He is always present. He is here now. When you go to Accra, he's there. Wherever you go, he is there. Ever present in Psalm 139, 7-12 says, Where can I go, O Lord, to hide from you? Because he is everywhere. He is here. He is there. He is everywhere. So he is here when you are going. He is with you when you are going. And when you get there, he's already there. That is how unimaginable God is. And that's why, you know, on Sunday, every church you go, people are praying and God is there with them. Unimaginable. God is beyond. And so our human mind cannot comprehend the scope of who God is. Regardless of how long you've been a Christian or what theology degree you have, your human mind is too small to understand who God is. And I think that's fine. You know, I want to serve a God who is big. Can I get an amen? God who is incomprehensible, who I can figure out. Because if he is great, then he is greater than any problem that I will face. So it's great that I don't worship the sun, or I don't worship the moon, or the stars, or the trees. But I worship the God who created those things. Can I get an amen? So when you understand how big your God is, There is no problem that will trip you up. Amen? Hebrews 13, 11, 3. I'm sorry. Hang on one second for me. So, I went too far ahead in my notes here. All right. Okay, so Hebrews 11, 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So he spoke nothing into something. Acts 17, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that all things you are religious. For as I am passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So these men of Athens were worshiping a God which they didn't even know. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and determined the pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they would seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope or find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, we are also his offsprings. Amen. So, in Revelation, you know, I'll just read it. Revelation 10, 5 to 6. It says, The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and all, and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, and that there should be delay no longer. So from Revelation, Revelation 1, uh, Genesis 1, 1, all through to Revelation, we see God as the creator of the universe and everything that is in it. Amen. So let us pull back Gen Genesis 1, 1. So it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's go to verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So it was a desolate wasteland. There was nothing. The Spirit of God hovered and caused by the words of the mouth of Elohim order in chaos. So if you have order in your life, disorder in your life, you have chaos, emptiness, darkness, you need Elohim. He is the only one who can turn a mess of what before creation was into a miracle. Amen. He created something out of nothing in the beginning so he can turn your nothing into something. Can I get an amen? So Genesis 18:14, Jeremiah 32:17, Luke 1:37, Matthew 19:26, they all say one thing. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
Nothing is too hard or impossible for God. Can I get an amen? Because if there is nothing he cannot do, there is no mountain he won't move. There is no marriage that is too broken for God to fix. There is no disease that is too incurable for God. There is no child who is too wayward for God to save. There is no situation that is too desperate for God to serve, to restore because he is Elohim. He is the mighty God, the mighty creator. Can you shout a big amen? So if you are facing the impossible, you call on Elohim, the mighty God, because he is limitless. Amen. Amen. So our experience of God's power, you know, this power of creation, this might, is only limited by our faith. Because in the Bible, you always hear Jesus say, be it unto you according to your faith. So according to what you believe, be it unto you. God has rested all this power that we have just learned about on our ability to believe it or on our faith. Let's think about that. You will get to experience of the, the power of God to the extent that you believe. So just turn, you know, to the vicinity of your neighbor. Just tell them, don't limit Elohim. Amen. So, you know, in the interest of time, I think we'll run through Adonai and we'll skip Yahweh because we might not be able to get through. So Adonai, what Adonai means, Lord, owner, master. And it can be used, you know, the capital A Adonai or little a Adonai, lowercase a. So it can be used to refer to man, angels, God, because it means Lord, it means owner, it means master. It appears about 400 times in the Bible. The preliminary significance of this word is ownership, rulership, dominion, having power and authority and influence. So it's like, you know, a master and a servant or a slave and a master type dynamics. So in the Bible, it is spelled capital L-O, lowercase O-R-D. And so when we read Deuteronomy 10, 17, it says, for the Lord Yahweh, so in the Bible, when it's capital L-O-R-D, is Yahweh. So the Lord Yahweh, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality or take bribes. So in the Jewish Bible, it have said, for Yahweh is Adonai, with a capital A, Lord of Lords. Amen. So God, you know, after being, aside being Elohim, he is also Adonai. In Genesis 15, 1 to 2, that's the first time we see Adonai used. And it was when God had the covenant with Abraham. So God had promised Abraham, leave your house. I will make you the father of many nations. Time after time, years passing, years passing, nothing. And so God, on one of his conversations with Abram at that time, you know, brought it up. And then Abram said, but God, at this point, I am still without child. And that is the first time he referred to God as 
Adonai. So he came under the rulership, the dominion, completely submitted everything. It's like, God, I am your slave. And your slave at this point has no um, offspring. And that's when God made that covenant with him, changed his name from Abram to Abraham. So we Christians, we need to recognize God as Adonai. Total control of your life to him. Submit, yield completely to God, coming to a place of total, you know, recognition of his lordship over your life. So it's not, you know, shared responsibility with God. You know, God, you take, you know, Saturday through Monday, and then I'll take the rest of the week. No, complete. Everything belongs to him. Your life is not, no longer your own, but to God. And when Abraham did that, you know, God now takes full responsibility of his life and makes the covenant with him, and then we later find him becoming the father of many nations. So isn't that wonderful, you know, to relinquish control of your life to God, to have, you know, Elohim, as we have come to learn of him, to be responsible for your life. Because, you know, there is nothing poorer than a Christian who is trying to be Lord of their own lives. You know, you can't. You know, we read Galatians 2.20, it says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as a Christian, you've been bought by a price. Your life now no longer is yours. It's just Jesus inhabiting your body. And how great is it that, you know, you, you, you have God in his power being responsible for your life. Amen. So when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, you surrender your past to him. He forgives your sins, wipes away your, your mess. But then Christians never submit their present or their future. You know, you know, God, you're good for forgiving me my sins. You know, I get the ticket to go to heaven. I'm good. See you in heaven. No. You know, how great will it be to have total ownership of your present, your future, to the one who sees it all, who knows it all. Because he sees beyond the weeks, he sees beyond the months, he sees beyond the years. So, you know, whatever trap the devil has set for you five years from now, two months from now, three years from now, he sees it in advance and he can help you overcome it if he is Lord over your life. You know, so he plans good things for you. Jeremiah says that for the plans I have for you, you know, plans of good. Why won't you, you know, relinquish that control? Thinking about this, this is my next plan and my next this and my next that. Why don't you lay your tomorrows, your next weeks, your next years to God and watch him blow your mind? You know, you can't fully experience him as Elohim if you haven't surrounded, uh, surrounded to him as Adonai. 
You know, if God is Adonai of your life, then he has to be consulted for everything. Every aspect of your life, you got to talk to him about stuff. You know, what career, what job, buying a car, marriage, buying a house, where to live, all of it. You know, that is where you come to the place of total yielding and surrender. That's why God t- tells Abraham, leave your people, and he leaves. You know, now leave your people, but God, my family is here. Oh, God, my babysitting. God, but I have a good job. God, but I'll miss my mom. God, but I'll do this. But he left. Moses, God tells him, go to Egypt. You know, Moses ran away from Egypt because he was in trouble. You know, and then God says, okay, yeah, you got to go back. And when you read the Bible, Moses tried. He gave excuse after excuse after excuse. God said, no, you got to go back. Anyone, if you're like Jonah, you run away. But then if God is Adonai, you listen, you yield completely, and you go. So God cannot, you know, he can't force you to do anything if you don't yield to him. We saw, someone said this, you know, it's funny. He says, if God was going to force us to do anything, he would force us to pay our tithes, and he doesn't. So God, God will not force you to do anything if you don't yield to him. Amen. So Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, most Christians never see and experience all that God has in store for their lives because they never fully submit to Adonai. You know, this author, uh, Lester Samuel, says, most Christians never move beyond the initial revelation of God. No, you stop at salvation. Who is God? Lord and Savior. That's it. You never get to experience any aspect, any further aspect of his life. But it is possible to know God better Every day, every day, every day, day in and day out, you will get to understand and know something new about him. And you still won't be done. Even if you live to be 150, you will still not be done. So imagine, you know, this analogy that I was thinking about pondering over. If you are driving, driver, and you are sitting next to the driver. You know, in the front seat. You know, everything that's happened. Oh, you should have turned left. Oh, you should have broke. Oh, you should have done this. Oh, you should have done that. But if you are sitting in the back seat, you don't care. Because you are not seeing. You are not co-managing. You are not co-piloting. So, you know, let God take the driver's seat. And you chill in the back seat. Let Elohim drive you to the destination that he is taking your life. I mean, because there is nothing greater than having the God who just speaks and things like that happen. Be the one who is in control of your life. If you are going to have surgery done. Would you rather have the person that has 1% success rate or the one with the 100% success rate? Because our success rate for humans, 1% is even being generous if we are going to do this on our own. Wouldn't you rather have God who sees all, knows all, nothing is impossible, be the one who is responsible for your life? Let him order your steps. Let him make a way in the wilderness for you. Watch him cause the barren places to give birth to life. 
Watch him defeat the Midianites in your life without you doing anything. Watch him bring the walls of Jericho down. And all you have to do is just sit around and sing songs. Watch him be Elohim over your life. If only you would submit to him as Adonai. Because there is nothing he can't do and won't do for you. Amen. Amen. We'll end here. Skip Yahweh. If God willing, another time we can. Shall we be on our feet? There is power in your name. Miracles happening.